Well, welcome to the Alexandra Baptist Church podcast. My name is Craig Ashby. I'm the pastor at uh, ABC. It's great to have you with us. You know, for the last few weeks, New Zealand has been pretty different to what most of us have ever experienced. This ongoing COVID-19 pandemic has meant people have had a bunch of restrictions and difficulties just really forced upon them. And as COVID-19 continues, as the uh, ongoing sickness and suffering around New Zealand and, and around the world, people are asking the question, does God care? You know, if you look back on your own life, you might have asked that same question. And it, it's a hard question to ask, especially if you've been in church circles for a while. I mean, at best, that question is impolite, and, and at worst, it's heretical, and you feel like disrespectful when you're asking that question is disrupting the assumed position. But, you know, asking that question, does God care, is a very real question at the moment. Coronavirus is affecting the lives and livelihoods of people on a massive scale. Nearly 4 million people around the world have been infected with this disease and 250,000, over a quarter of a million people, have died. And you know, it's not just the physical health that have been uh, people have been suffering. People have been grappling with uh, emotional and mental stress. They've really had to wrestle with some of the changing social and economic circumstances they're facing. Now, it's easy to think that COVID-19 is the greatest challenge our world is facing right now. But actually, there's plenty of other problems that aren't getting as much media attention. For the last two years, there's been a severe famine in East Africa. Countries like Somalia and South Sudan, over 10 million people there don't know when their next meal will come from. Or take, for example, Los Angeles, the American city on the Pacific coast, home of Hollywood and and much of American pop culture, one of the most modern cities in the Western world. And yet in Los Angeles, there is over 36,000 homeless people living on the streets. Or, for example, slavery. You know, it's estimated that there's over 40 million people worldwide, particularly women and children, who are forced to work against their will. Do you know that's one out of every 200 people in the world is in a slavery type situation? Or other things that are happening around the world. Uh, but on the border between Myanmar and Bangladesh, for the last couple of years, over 1 million Rohingya refugees have escaped persecution from Myanmar. And they are living in squalor in massive camps in Bangladesh. In fact, one refugee camp has over 600,000 people. That's six times the population of Dunedin. And you look at all those things and you ask the question, does God care? Does God care about the hungry people in Africa, about the homeless people in LA? Does he care about the slaves? Does he care about the refugees? It's really hard to get your head around those numbers because they're just so overwhelming and they're also detached from our situation. But even in our own lives, there's moments when we wonder if God cares. When the kids rebel, when we're made redundant, when our marriage crumbles, when we're diagnosed as terminal, when we fail the test, when a close friend dies, when our dreams are crushed, when that cloud of depression just edges back in, we find ourselves asking, does God care? For the last two weeks, our online teaching series has been called Lockdown Life. We've been tracking through an ancient letter by Peter, one of the first followers of Jesus. 
And the initial recipients of his letter were facing a number of challenges. They were experiencing severe persecution by the state. They were anxious about their future. They were unsure if God cared. And so uh, in these times, Peter writes a letter. And as he writes it, he's actually an older man. He's lived through a number of different seasons. And so he writes to give his readers hope. He writes to remind them that if their hope is in Jesus, their identity is secure. And he writes to advise them how to live as a Christian in a very challenging world. And then in chapter 5, there's just this two-line encouragement. And Peter reminds his readers that God does care. So we're going to be reading um, from the Bible. Peter's letter is, is in the New Testament, near the back, near the end of the Bible. It's called 1 Peter. And we're going to be reading from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. So please join with me. This is what Peter writes. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. You know, I wonder if that last line in particular is easier to say, but hard to do. You know, intellectually we know God cares for us and, and cares for our world. But practically, practically it doesn't always feel like God cares, especially when life is tough. And you know, what makes it more complicated is the Bible describes God as being spirit and we are flesh and bone. So how can he tangibly show that he cares? You may be familiar with the love languages framework established by Dr. Gary Chapman. And uh, Gary Chapman suggests five different ways people show love and care for each other. Physical touch, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and giving gifts. Now, you know, that's well and good for a human to human to, to show, practically show care, but and we do that. For physical touch, we can give someone a hug. For quality time, we can go and have a cup of tea. For words of affirmation, we can send an encouraging text. Or acts of service, we could make a meal. Given gifts, we could deliver some food. You know, it's easy for us to show practical love and care for other people. But how does God show that he cares about you? Well, Peter writes, give all your cares and worries to God for he cares about you. And I want to just use that as a springboard to highlight five ways that God cares for you. And the first one is this. God knows our names. According to the Apostle John, he records a story that Jesus shared about a good shepherd. A good shepherd who protects and provides for his sheep. And in John chapter 10, we read, This good shepherd calls his own sheep by name. Now, I don't know how long you've had your name for. Hopefully you've done some research into the meaning behind your name. My name, Craig, is derived from the Scottish word crag. You can just imagine Scottish people saying, Hey, crag, come over here, crag. But actually, the word crag means a rocky outcrop or a steep cliff. So basically, my, word, my name is the Scottish word for rock. But in biblical times, someone's name was closely connected with their identity. Their name described not only what they did, but who they were. And Jesus knows his sheep by name. He knows who we are. And knowing someone is an important part of being able to care for them. If you know someone's struggles, you know what they need. If you know how they think, then you know the advice or the encouragement that they, they require. If you know what they love, then you know how to give them joy. 
And through Jesus, God cares for you because he knows your name. He knows who you are, where you're at, and what you need. In fact, God knows you so intimately, he knows the number of hairs on your head. So in his biography of Jesus, Matthew records a time when Jesus was explaining the value God places on human life. And Jesus points out that these seemingly insignificant birds, little, little common sparrows, they cannot fall to the ground without God knowing. And people are far more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. And then Jesus says this, The very hairs on your head are numbered. This is uh, one of my go-to Bible verses. You know, I, I'm trying to make it easy for God. The number of hairs on my head are pretty low. You know, it's said that God made many beautiful heads and the rest he covered with hair. Well, if that's the case, I must have a really ugly chin because my lockdown beard is just getting longer by the day. But you know, it's virtually impossible to know how many hairs we have on our head. And yet God shows how interested he is in us. He knows the complex details of our lives. And God is particularly present in times of sorrow. 3,000 years ago, there was a Jewish man called David. He was on the run. And despite being innocent, David was being hunted by King Saul, uh, who, who felt insecure and threatened. And hopefully in the coming weeks, when we get back together as a church, we're going to be exploring the life of David in a little bit more detail. But you need to know that in his lifetime, David wrote a number of songs, a number of poems. They're called Psalms, particularly when he was experiencing hard times. In one of these Psalms, Psalm 56, David pours his heart out to God and he says this, You, God, keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. And perhaps that's how you're feeling right now. This whole social isolation has meant you're a bit lonely. Or these restrictions have made you anxious and uncertain. Or there's some other challenges in your life that are just making you full of sorrow. I just want to remind you that God knows what you're going through. Actually, more than that, God cares. And despite being a fierce warrior, David knew how to express his emotion. And I think these words beautifully capture the image of a God who cares. God metaphorically collects our tears. It's, it's a tender picture of compassion and empathy, much like a mother caring for her child. You know, someone else who knew the care of God was a prophet uh, by the name of Isaiah. He lived around 700 years before Jesus, and he had the difficult task of proclaiming God's judgment and God's comfort to the Jewish nation. And in chapter 41, Isaiah records God speaking directly to the people of Israel. And this is what God says. For I hold you by your right hand, I the Lord your God. And I say to you, don't be afraid, I'm here to help you. Now in the original context, those words gave comfort to the people of Israel as they faced an uncertain future. But I believe they also give comfort to us today. You know, if you've been around first-time parents, you know that their conversations really just focus on one thing. Sleep. No, just kidding. First-time parents always talk about their child. And that's why they'll take thousands of photos and hundreds of hours of video just to capture those precious moments, those first words or the first steps. You know, I even know of parents who have taken a photo of their child's first successful motion in the potty. But that 
those parents, their pride and joy is their child. And it goes beyond photos and videos. Those parents are immersed in the life of their child. They are there for their child. Through the good and the bad, they're going to walk alongside their child and hold their hand. And I think that's just a glimpse of how God feels about us. Whenever we experience troubles, God reminds us that he is holding our hand. He's walking alongside us, guiding our steps. He is with us wherever we are and whatever we're facing. You know, in those moments, it's important to remember that God gives us all we need. At the same time Peter was writing his letter, another man by the name of Paul was writing to his friends in the Greek city of Philippi. And this is what Paul writes to them. He writes, This same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Paul was writing those words in a lockdown, but he didn't have Netflix and he didn't have contact list takeaways. Paul was literally locked up in prison. But despite his surroundings, the overarching theme of that letter is one of joy. Paul is confident that God has not abandoned him. God has supplied all that Paul needs, and he will do the same for every other Christian. And you know, it's easy to forget that promise when our job's under threat, when we're unsure about how to pay the bills, when we have health worries, when our kids are stressing us out. But in those moments, God cares, and he promises to supply all that you need. You know, maybe that's a, a, a good reminder, an important reminder that God cares for you. Hopefully that's been helpful. God knows your name. He knows the hairs on your head. He is tracking alongside you with in your sorrows. He is bottling up your tears. He holds your hand and he will supply all that you need. But you know, maybe you're not convinced. Maybe the hurts and the heartache that you've been through or, or the state of the world that we're in right now, you're looking at that and you're still questioning if God cares. And perhaps you're thinking, if God would only walk in my shoes then he'd see how tough life really is. Well, I need to tell you that's exactly what God did. The Bible says God stepped out of eternity and entered humanity. God's one and only Son humbled himself and uh, entered into the world to experience all that it could offer, all of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He walked dusty roads. He rubbed shoulders with old and with young with rich and with poor, with sick and with healthy, with sinners and saints. He knew what it was to be hungry and to be full. He knew what it was to be celebrated and rejected. He knew what it was to have friends and to be alone. And he endured a torturous death on a cross. Dorothy Sayers, the English novelist and poet of the early 20th century, wrote this, For whatever reason God chose to make man as he is, limited and suffering and subject to sorrows and death. God had the honesty and courage to take his own medicine. Whatever game he is playing with his own creation, he has kept his own rules and played fair. He can exact nothing from man that he has not exacted from himself. He has himself gone through the whole of human experience, from the trivial irritations of family life and the cramping restrictions of hard work and lack of money, to the worst horrors of pain and humiliation, defeat, despair, and death. You know, Jesus did that to set us free. 
Jesus died and came alive again so that we could experience forgiveness instead of shame. We could experience joy instead of sadness. We could experience life instead of death. And if you haven't already, I'd invite you to commit your life to Jesus. He knows that life can be tough. He experienced suffering and rejection on a scale that most of us will never know. But that means he is perfectly positioned to care. You know, when you're sick, you don't need a biology professor to come and tell you what's wrong with your cells. You need a doctor to make you well. And when you're suffering, you don't need a psychologist to come and analyze your situation. You need a friend who will walk alongside you. Well, that's exactly what Jesus does. Jesus proves God cares for you. Author Philip Yancey writes about meeting a man who knew the depth of God's care. This man was called Christian Rieger, and during World War II he was a prisoner in the Nazi concentration camp of Dachau. Well, prior to the war, Rieger was part of the Confessing Church in Germany. This was an underground group of Christians who opposed Hitler and the Nazis. But the Nazis started rounding up opposition, and Rieger was betrayed by a friend. He was arrested by the Gestapo and shipped hundreds of miles to Dachau. You know, the Nazis presented Dachau as a, a labor camp, but the reality was it was a place for torture and murder. And after the first month at Dachau, Riga abandoned his faith in God. The horrors of the situation were just so overwhelming, he felt that God could not exist, let alone care, when those horrors were happening. But then something happened which challenged his doubt. Each prisoner was only allowed one letter per month, and exactly four weeks after he was imprisoned, Riga received a letter from his wife. Well, the letter was heavily censored. Pieces had been clipped out by the Nazi guards. But nevertheless, she wrote of news of the family and assured Riga of her love. And at the very end of the letter, she printed a Bible reference. Acts chapter 4, verse 26 to 29. Well, Riga had actually smuggled a Bible into the camp, and so he looked up those verses. And the reference was part of a speech from the early days of the Christian church, where Peter and John were released from prison. And this is what they said. The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Well, that same afternoon, Riga was scheduled for interrogation. He would be asked to give info on other Christians in the confessing church. And if he gave in, it's likely that his friends would be captured and possibly killed. And if he refused, it would be likely that he would be tortured, possibly beaten with clubs, or maybe even shocked with electricity. And so, as he read those verses, Riga questioned their relevance, given the massive challenges that he was facing. Well, in the waiting room that afternoon, sitting there before the interrogation, Riga was trembling with fear. And then out of the interrogation, another Christian, who Riga had never met, came out. And without looking at Riga, the man came over, slipped something into Riga's coat pocket, and then walked away. Seconds later, Riga, Riga was summoned into the interrogation room, and, and surprisingly, the interrogation went well. There was no violence, and he was allowed to leave quickly. And he hurried back to the barracks, grateful that his ordeal was over. 
And then he remembered that strange encounter with the other Christian in the waiting room. He reached into his pocket and pulled out a matchbox. Ariga thought, well, that was a very kind gesture. You know, matches are a valuable commodity amongst the prisoners. And he opened it, but inside the matchbox, there was no matches, only a small piece of paper. And printed on that paper was the reference, Acts chapter 4, verse 26 to 29. You know, for Riga, that moment was a miracle. That was a direct message from God. That other Christian was a stranger. He could not possibly have seen the letter from Riga's wife. But Riga knew that was far more than a coincidence. And in that moment, Riga's faith returned. It was a small miracle, but it was enough to remind Riga that despite the horrors of the concentration camp, God was still alive. God was in control. God was working. And most importantly, God cared. Years later, as he reflected on that moment, Christian Riga said this, God did not rescue me and make my suffering easier. He simply assured me that he was alive and I knew he was here. I can only speak for myself. Others turned from God because of Dashiell. Who am I to judge them? I simply know that God met me. For me, he was enough, even at Dashiell. You know, it doesn't matter if you are imprisoned in a Nazi concentration camp or stuck in lockdown in New Zealand. God is enough. And God absolutely still cares for you. Peter writes this, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honour. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Hey, join with me as I pray. God, we're grateful for all you do for us. And at this time of uncertainty and change in our world and in our own lives, we reaffirm that our trust is in you. We ask that whatever we're facing, we know that and we would know and experience your care. Help us to give all our worries to you, because you care for us. Amen. Hey, uh, you know, if you need some practical help or some encouragement, please don't hesitate to get in touch. We'd love to get some groceries delivered for you, or if you need to chat, feel free to get in contact through our website or through the Alexander Baptist Church Facebook page. And if you know of someone who needs some care and comfort at this time, perhaps you could get in touch. Give them a phone call. Give them a, uh, write them a letter. Drop off some baking. Tell them that you are thinking of them. Tell them that you care because God cares. Speaking of caring, we want to give a shout out to the mothers. Normally, if we were at church, we would be giving you heaps of chocolate, but uh, obviously we can't do that. So if look, if you haven't already, you need to convince someone in your bubble to get some chocolate for you. And yeah, we just want to say we're grateful to all the mothers, grateful for all the women, actually, at Alexander Baptist Church, uh, because of what you bring to our lives, to our community, and to the world. We really appreciate you. Hey, other thing too is, as a leadership team, we'll be sending out an email update later in the week. Like you, we're watching what the New Zealand government uh, is saying about the alert levels in the coming weeks. And we're just trying to think through some of the implications for events and gatherings at ABC. So, yeah, keep an eye on your inbox. If you're not on our mailing list, please get in touch with me, craig at alexbaptist.co.nz, to keep in the loop. Hey, God bless. Have a great week.